God promises in Joel 2.28 to pour out His Spirit on all humanity. Welcome to Global Outpouring, where we contend for that promised outpouring, and we equip for that outpouring so that we may engage in that very outpouring. I'm Philip Buss. And I'm Sharon Buss. Welcome to the podcast today. Philip and I are going to have a really fun Bible study and discussion about John the Baptist and the spirit of Elijah and how we are coming into this time of the coming of the Lord and the preparation for the coming of the Lord. And as we're contending for this outpouring, we have a place in preparing the way of the Lord. So come with us and find out your place in preparing the way of the Lord. We're so glad that you're with us today. And before we get started, we want to invite you to go to our website, globaloutpouring.org, and have a look around, get to know us. We want you to really connect with us, and we want to connect with you. Click on that green button to subscribe to our email lists. You have several things to choose from, and you can find information there about our YouTube channel, our Facebook page, and blogs that we've written. Let's get better acquainted. So today we are looking at John the Baptist and how he was preparing the way of the Lord. Philip, the Lord really put some things on your heart. Why don't you lead us out here? Well, when we look at uh, John, and so he's baptizing at the Jordan River. And this is something that uh, the Pharisees have never run across before. I mean, you have different ones that come up and try to do a rebellion or this or that. So here's John the Baptist. And this man is baptizing, and people are flocking to him. And you wonder, they're wondering, why is this? So what they did, they sent some of their uh, spies or, you know, journalists or reporters, <laughs> whatever you want to call it, you know. Yeah. And, they're, um, and so they're going to check this story out. And it's a good hike from Jerusalem, you know, to get yeah. there. And so they get there, and they're watching all these people get baptized. Because baptism then is what you did when you went to the temple. You had the traditional bath where you would walk down into it and you baptize yourself. Mm -hmm. You, know, you kind of dunk yourself down. Then you come up out and if you take a trip to Israel and you go to the area where the temple was and uh, they have in the ruins, you can find these baths. And they're in many of the, the different synagogues. They have a, a place where you can cleanse yourself. So this is what was going on there. And they're asking John, you know, these questions. So this is out of the Passion Translation. There were some other Jewish leaders who sent an entourage of priests and temple servants from Jerusalem to interrogate John. They asked him, who are you? <laughs> then they asked, are you Elijah? He says, no. And he says, no, I'm not the Messiah. And they pressed him a little further. Are you the prophet Moses said that was coming, the one we're expecting? No. Then who are you, they demanded. We need an answer for those who sent us. Tell us something about yourself, anything. So John answered them, I am fulfilling Isaiah's prophecy. I am an urgent, thundering voice shouting in the desert. Clear the way and prepare your hearts for the coming of the Lord Yahweh. Then some members of the religious sect known as the Pharisees questioned John, Why do you baptize the people since you admit you're not the Christ, Elijah, or the prophet? John answered them, I baptize in this river, but the one who will take my place is to be more honored than I. But even then, when he stands before you, 
You will not recognize or embrace him. I am not worthy enough to stoop down in front of him and untie his sandals. So this is John's answer to the Pharisees. So he didn't really answer any of their questions. So here's this mystery man. Then verse 29, the very next day, John saw Jesus coming to him to be baptized. And John cried out, look, there he is, God's lamb. He will take away the sins of the world. I told you that a mighty one would come who is far greater than I am because he existed long before I was born. And so they're questioning that. He's a young man. How can he say that, that he existed long before he was born? Right. You know. He was and, probably only 30, 31, something like that. Yeah, and you look at John. If you go back to the book of Luke, it talks about Elizabeth and Zechariah. You know, and they're going to have a, have a son. They had a visitation from the angel. Yeah, Zechariah did. Well, Zechariah said in the temple. He had this visitation while he was in doing service in the temple. And he didn't believe what the angel told him, and the angel smote him dumb. Mm-hmm. He couldn't speak at all. And when he came out, everybody marveled that he couldn't speak. Mm-hmm. And he couldn't speak for a long time. And Nine then, months. Yeah, and then... Almost uh, 10. Yeah, and Elizabeth conceived, and they had a son. And at the time where they're going to do the circumcision, they say, what is his name going to be? And they all thought it's going to be... Zacharias. Zacharias Jr. Zacharias Jr., you know. <laughs> and he and he wrote on a tablet, his name will be John. And as soon as he wrote that, instantly his tongue was loosed, and he just began to speak and prophesy, and everybody marveled all around. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, here's, here's Zachariah, who for all this time, you know, at least nine months, mm-hmm. you know, he couldn't say a word. He had to write everything on a tablet. His tongue is loose, and he's prophesying. Yeah. And it says that the child would be filled with the Holy Ghost in the mother's womb. Right. So this isn't a day of Pentecost. You know, he wasn't speaking in tongues. You know, (laughs) he's filled with the Holy Ghost from the womb. And then when, uh, when Mary, which would be the mother of Jesus, heard about that she was pregnant, she took a journey to visit Elizabeth. And when she walked in the door... John leaped in her womb, and she began to prophesy. Yes. So here you have mother and son filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes. So we read here. That was the first encounter of John and Jesus. And then there is a word that the Lord spoke to uh, John, and I'm going to read it here in verse 32. Then, as John baptized Jesus, he spoke these words, I see the Spirit of God appear like a dove descending from the heavenly realm and landing on him. And it rested upon him from that moment forward. And even though I've yet to experience him, when I was commissioned to baptize with water, God spoke these words to me. One day you will see the Spirit descend and remain upon a man. He will be the one that I have sent to baptize with the Holy Spirit. And now I have seen with discernment. I can tell you for sure that this man is the Son of God. So this was John's confirmation. You know, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, he gives you discernment. That's right. Now, we don't know how long John was actually baptizing up to this point, Mm -hmm. but all of a sudden, here's the one that he was talking about. And even the very next day, you know, John was there talking with two of his disciples, and, and Jesus was walking right past them. John, gazing on them, pointed to Jesus and said, look, there's God's lamb. And as soon as John's two disciples heard this, they immediately left John and began to follow a short distance behind Jesus. 
Mm-hmm. I think, wow, they just up and left him. They defected. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't what we call sheep stealing. You know, that's when people will leave one church to go to another. Yes. You know, or if there's a split in a church, you know, so many number will go with the split, you know. So what happens then? So Jesus turns around. He saw that they were following him. And it does say here before that, it says, they begin to follow a short distance behind Jesus. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're not going to get too close yet. <laughs> you know, what's he going to say? Let's watch this guy. Then Jesus turned around and saw they were following him and asked, what do you want? They responded, Rabbi, which means master teacher, where are you staying? Jesus answered, come and discover for yourselves. Mm. So they went with him and saw where he was staying. And since it was late in the afternoon, they spent the rest of the day with Jesus. Oh, they spent the rest, rest of, of the, the day, day with Jesus. Come and what? What did it say? Come and discover for yourselves. That is the message that we are bringing today. Come and discover for, for yourselves. yourselves. Yeah. And if you can think of your favorite preacher, okay, if I can only spend some time with them, you know, wouldn't you just, you know, you go to a conference, there might be 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 people, but you'll hardly ever get near that speaker. Right. You know, where as soon as the meeting's over and, you know, many times the speaker will, they'll be ushered off. You know, whisked away. Whisked away. And, but how do you think you could get close to him? Maybe if you're in an elevator or, or somewhere. Because <laughs> yes. he's got bodyguards all around him and all that. So he's basically untouchable by normal standards. You know? Right. So here are these two disciples, and they spend the day with Jesus. Yes. Now, if you fast forward a little and think of Nicodemus, where he right. met Jesus by night, and he's just sharing all these truths with him. And that's the only time he could get near him by night. So this was a Kairos moment for these two because they ended up being Jesus' disciples. Yes, yes. So what we're talking about today is listen for how you can follow the Lamb and spend the day with him and let him begin to change you because it's, it's time for this shift from where we've been to where we're going there's a time at a place where something shifts and we're in that season of the shift where we're being called right now to be those who are preparing the way of the Lord. Yes. But the wonderful thing is that because the Holy Spirit came and and rested upon Jesus and he walked in that anointing all of his ministry and then when he ascended into heaven he And the Father poured out that same Holy Spirit upon us so that we can today spend the day with Jesus even before he gets here to be the king of glory on his throne in Jerusalem. That Mm. day's coming. But we're still part of that group that are preparing the way. Amen. Hallelujah. So John came in the spirit and power of Elijah. That was what the angel Gabriel said to Zacharias in the temple while he was offering the incense in the evening. And and when he was struck dumb because he didn't believe, that was what the angel said to him, that this baby that they were going to have, that he, that he was having a hard time even believing could happen, that this baby was going to be raised up of God to, well, let's just read it. I'm reading from the Amplified in Luke chapter 1. The angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your 
petition was heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you must call his name John. God is favorable. Mm-hmm. And you shall have joy and exultant delight, and many will rejoice over his birth, for he will be great and distinguished in the sight of the Lord, and he must drink no wine nor strong drink, so that means he was a Nazarite, and he will be filled with and controlled by the Holy Spirit, even in and from his mother's womb. And he will turn back and cause to return many of the sons of Israel to the Lord their God. That's where we mm. are in this time. It's time for a great turning back to God. Amen. Our nation and the whole Western culture that was lit up with the gospel. That, that's why the European nations had an edge over some of the other nations, because they turned away from their idols, and they began to worship God, and they began to let the culture of the Bible change their culture. And that's what opened up the minds of the people to, to have the kind of intellect to be able to receive revelation because so much of, of science was found in the Bible. Many of the people that made great discoveries made them because they were reading the Bible. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so now we've got this huge swing back to paganism in Western culture. And, you know, God wants to fix that. He, he's, uh, he's not pleased with, with the way things are going. And he's actually raising up missionaries from other lands who have gotten the gospel, and they're coming, coming here, here yes. to, to preach the gospel to us. <laughs> so wherever you are listening, you know, whatever nation you're in, whether you're in Western culture or Eastern culture or Southern culture or Northern culture, wherever you are, just know that it's the Bible that makes the difference. So it says, and he will turn back and cause to return many of the sons of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will himself go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn back the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient and incredulous, well, that Mm. says it, and unpersuadable to the wisdom of the upright, which is the knowledge and holy love of the will of God, in order to make ready for the Lord a people perfectly prepared in spirit, adjusted and disposed and placed in the right moral state. Mm, That is the spirit and power of Elijah. Elijah, That's referring to Malachi chapter 4 and verse 5 that says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. This is the last verse of the Old Testament. And he shall turn and reconcile the hearts of the estranged fathers to the ungodly children and the hearts of the rebellious children to the piety of their fathers, a reconciliation produced by repentance of the ungodly, lest I come and smite the land with a curse and a ban of utter destruction. Wow. See, God doesn't want to to smite the world with a curse. He knows that we're in that position where, you know, we're just about to that point where a slam, you know, could mm-hmm. happen. But because of repentance, because of hearts being turned, that is what is causing our God to reach out and be merciful to us. That's what happened in Elijah's time. The same thing happened. So you see that, that Elijah and, and John the Baptist are like parallel. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting John said about himself something about the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah 40 and verse 3 says, A voice of one who cries, 
Prepare in the wilderness the way of the Lord. Clear away the obstacles. Make straight and smooth in the desert a highway for our God. I think it's fascinating that the word there, make straight in the desert, the word for desert is arava. And Mm -hmm. arava is a very specific place in the desert in Judea. And it's right near Jericho. Mm -hmm. And remember where John was baptizing was just on the other side of the Jordan. And that's the place where Elijah took off from in the fiery (laughs) chariot. So, Uh you know, he dropped his mantle there. There, And that's where John started. Wow. Isn't that amazing? amazing? It really is. And there's a really good chance that that John was raised in the community of the Essenes, which is in Qumran. If you've ever been to Israel, uh, if you haven't been to Israel, you need to go. But right at the northern end of the Dead Sea is a place called Qumran. And that's the place where the Dead Sea Scrolls were found. Mm -hmm. And when they started finding these Dead Sea Scrolls in, I think, 1948... They were written by this, this community called the Essenes, and they were, as we understand it, they were a group of people that were from the priesthood, perhaps Levites as well, that, that left Jerusalem when the priesthood became corrupt, when, when Rome put in somebody into the high priest's position, but it was somebody that would work with Rome. Mm-hmm. So that's why it was so important to them that they protect their, uh, their position and protect their power by manipulating things. So they worked with Rome. And if you understand that, you understand a whole lot of why things were the way they were in, in the Gospels. So John's father, Zechariah, was in that priestly line. It's, I mean, it says, Luke 1, that he was from the priestly line and so they, they may have had to flee or they may have uh, just chosen to walk away at that time when the priesthood became corrupt. And John was probably raised in this community. And it was a very, very pious, very holy community. And they, they practiced the things of the scriptures and they wrote the scriptures. Yeah, were we scribes. were there. We were there. They had a scribe in there writing, oh, writing yeah. a scroll. Yeah. It was the most amazing thing to watch that. Yeah, it was tremendous. Wow. Tremendous to see. That's how, how they how copied done. the Torah, mm-hmm. one roll at a time. Yes, and, and, and what they would do is the probably the high priest or, or someone in a, a high position like that would read from a scroll and tell all of these scribes, they, they, had, they found writing tables there, and, and all of the scribes sitting there would write every letter according to what the priest read and so that's how they made multiple copies of the Torah. That was their, that was their print shop in those days, <laughs> one letter at a time. And you try to read the Bible through in a year or the Old Testament. <laughs> I don't know how long it took to write. But, I don't know how uh, long it took to write. Usually it takes about a year to write a scroll, I think. Wow. Uh-huh. So anyway, so John would have been in this kind of a holy position, a holy, a holy um, community. And one of the scrolls that was found there is the scroll of Isaiah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Is it possible? Is it possible that maybe they were writing the book of Isaiah when mm. John had a vision? Wow. Uh-huh. When John got a calling from God and he had a vision of someone coming 
and the and the Holy Spirit coming down as a dove. Now he was already filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. Yeah. Uh-huh. So he had this connection with the Holy Spirit, and he he had a calling of God on his life. Maybe his parents told him about this spirit and power of Elijah. Uh, but in any case, perhaps he heard when they came to that 40th chapter, a voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare in the wilderness the way of the Lord, clear away the obstacles, make straight and smooth in the desert a highway for our God. And then it goes on to say, every valley shall be lifted and filled up and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked and uneven shall be made straight and level. And the rough places a plain. Verse 5, get verse 5. And the glory, majesty, and splendor of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. Together, For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Yes, amen. Now, we've only seen that in a small, Mm -hmm. in small microcosms. We've we've seen it on the on the day of Pentecost, and Peter stepped up and said, "This is that that was spoken of by the prophet Joel that I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh." That is what we are standing for here at Global Outpouring. Yes. We are contending for this outpouring because we haven't yet seen this moment when the glory is revealed and all flesh shall see it together. But you and I, Philip, you and I, and all of these listeners are in a position to be making a difference, preparing the way of the Lord, making his path straight. Now, when you look at Elijah and what happened with him on Mount Carmel, where he was challenging the prophets of Baal. Now, you know Mm. the story of how there was a drought for three years. He called for the drought. God God told him. There will be no rain by the sound of my voice. Yes. Yeah. And so he went into hiding. Now, if you look in First Kings and understand who Ahab was and what he had done. Now, remember that, that Israel is the northern kingdom. It's already been separated from Judah. And there have been several kings, and they've all been evil. Jeroboam started the problem with idolatry by making two golden calves and putting them in two different places so that the people wouldn't go back to Jerusalem to worship. Because he was afraid if they went back to Jerusalem to worship that they would also go back to the son of David Mm -hmm. and he would lose his power over them. So now we have Ahab, the son of Omri. It says in chapter 16 and verse 30 that Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord above all before him. Mm. So let's look at what he did that was worse. As if it had been a light thing for Ahab to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, he took for a wife Jezebel. Hmm. Yeah. And her name means unmarried. Hmm. So I think that's interesting that, you know, it's sort of like, mm, I don't have to I don't have to honor my husband. I'll I'll just take over here. <laughs> he took for a wife Jezebel, daughter of Ethbal king of the Sidonians, and served Baal and worshipped him. He erected an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria, and Ahab made an Asherah. Uh, Some translations say grove, but I think this is more correct, an, an idolatrous symbol of the goddess Asherah. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger him than all the kings of Israel before him. So real quickly, this Baal is... I don't even want to name the name of the the god of Tyre. 
this King Ethball was completely dedicated to Baal and was probably also a priest of Asherah. Mm-hmm. So Asherah was the goddess, Baal was the the god, and they went together as a couple. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But this particular god had a number of names. He was the god of fire. Okay. Mm-hmm. So remember on Mount Carmel, let yeah. the god who answers by fire be the god. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because he's got this reputation for fire. He also had the reputation of uh, providing rain mm-hmm. so that your crops would grow. And he, he and also this goddess were fertility goddess, god and goddess. So they wanted fertility for their crops. And part of the fertility rites were that the men would go there to worship and provide their own seed to the uh, temple priestesses. I think you understand. I don't have to be too graphic. Um, Mm -hmm. But they would provide their seed to the temple priestess. And I'm not talking about for planting. I'm talking about their own personal seed. Do we, am I clear enough? Yeah, you're clear enough. <laughs> <laughs> and so when, when God was talking about idolatry being adultery, it was not only spiritual adultery, it was physical adultery. Mm-hmm. They were yeah. leaving their wives at home and going and having sex with the, with the temple priestesses. And, and these Asherah poles, um, I think that we might even be seeing some of that kind of stuff with this pole dancing stuff that that has come into our culture it it's it's all it's all the god and and goddess of sex okay mm-hmm. it's yeah. all uh you know we're surrounded by that our advertising all over everywhere television videos uh, movies everything is just full pushing sex 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 because um, that is the entrance door to darkness. Yeah. So all of that was what was going on that Elijah was challenging on Mount Carmel. And so when the God that answered by fire, mm-hmm. yes, our God, our God, our God came forward and did the thing and, and, you know, this Baal God, he was not doing nothing. <laughs> bad English, but he didn't show up. As I understand it, the temple of Baal had an altar that had a place where they could bring fire up from underneath the altar to consume a yeah. sacrifice. Uh huh. And it looked like it looked supernatural. Yeah. But it really wasn't. Exactly. Kind of like the man behind the curtain, right? Know, in Wizard right. of Oz. Right. It's a, it's it's a, it's a deception. Yeah. Uh-huh. So that's why Elijah had them build a brand new altar. Mm-hmm. So they they couldn't put the fire manufacture in it. anything. Yeah. yeah, and and then when when our wonderful Jehovah answered by fire, yes, and everybody said, Jehovah, He's, He is Elohim. Jehovah, yeah. He is Elohim. That that was establishing the truth to them of who our God is, and. Elijah was able to kill the 450 priests of Baal and the 400 priests of Asherah that, Jeze- that ate at Jezebel's table. Yeah. He wiped them all out. Wow. And then he ran. Wow. Because he got word the next day. Well, no, first, first, the, fire, the, first the fire fell and then the rain fell. Yeah. And God proved himself to be the God of fire and the yes. God of rain. God of rain, yeah. So fast forward to um, 
to John. John is now in prison. Right. Yawn. Parallels. Parallels. Yeah, because you, you've you've got you've got Elijah sitting here. Yeah. Worrying about Jezebel. Yeah. So John is in prison, not knowing what's going to happen yet. And you, and you look at yourself, you know, when you're, you know, you're in ministry. You know, God's got a plan for my life, and all of a sudden something changes, where it's like the it's like the board game Monopoly. You get mm-hmm. on the square, go to jail. Mm-hmm. You know, and all of a sudden here he is in jail, stuck. What's he thinking? You know, he's in jail. Right. You know, perhaps he was thinking, I should be with Jesus helping him. Mm-hmm. Maybe that was his vision, thinking, oh, we're going to be part, we're going to do this together. And so so he's beginning to doubt all this. Why should I be here? So what he does, he sends some of, uh, two of his um, disciples to go talk to Jesus. And they ask Jesus, are you the coming Messiah we've been expecting, or are we to continue to look for someone else? It's like John is really doubting all of this now because he's he's sitting in jail, not knowing what's going to happen next. He was under attack. Under attack, you know, yeah. I'm sure. John the prophet has sent us to you to seek your answer. And this is Luke in the Passion Bible, chapter 7, um, now at verse 22. Without answering, Jesus turned to the crowd and healed many of their incurable diseases. His miracle power freed them from their suffering he restored the gift of sight to the blind. He drove out demonic spirits from those who were tormented. So this took a little while. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a prayer line in a church. <laughs> you know, sometimes it takes a while. Right. Only then did Jesus answer the question posed by John's disciples. Now go back and tell John what you have just seen and heard here today. The blind are now seeing. The crippled are now walking. Those who were lepers are now cured. Those who were deaf are now hearing. Those who were dead are now raised back to life. The poor and broken are given the hope of salvation. So all this happened while John's disciples are watching. Mm -hmm. People getting raised from the dead. Even as we read in um, where it says about all the things that Jesus did, there weren't enough books to write everything that happened. So he had miracles we don't know about. Just all kinds. And, And then Jesus says, go tell John these words. The blessing of heaven comes upon those who never lose their faith in me, no matter what happens. It's like Jesus is reading John's mail. Mm-hmm. It's just he's right on the verge of losing everything that God taught him because he's now in a place where he can't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. You know, and John, John's life was just about over, though yeah. he didn't know it at this time. And he even spoke at one time in John chapter 3, verse 20, that he, which is Jesus, must increase, and I must decrease. And here he's decreasing. You know, he started decreasing when Jesus showed up on the scene. Yeah, immediately two, he loses two disciples. He loses two disciples. <laughs> it's just like they're leaving my church, you know. <laughs> you know, and can make you go into depression when you're losing your church members. You know? <laughs> but then it wasn't long after that where John was beheaded by mm-hmm. Herod. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I had a thought as I was reading this, you know, that Jesus said, nobody as great as John the Baptist. That's the words that Jesus spoke to the crowd. And so here we are, the greatest. And so all these things that Elijah did, and all of a sudden, John the Baptist, he's greater than Elijah. And so here we are, the greatest. He's 31 years old, and his ministry is just about over. And you look at Peter. 
You know, you, you can find in the scripture where Peter, where he was thrown in the prison by Herod and was going to bring him out for Easter the next day to execute him. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that was his plan. And the angels came and took him out by night. You know, he thought yeah. he was having a vision. And uh, the angels put a deep sleep on the prison guards. He's chained. His chains just fall off and he walks out. The doors open. And there he is, you know, goes right to the house, you know, where, mm-hmm. where everybody's praying for him. Because it was time for Peter to step up. Yeah. And there's going to be a whole new thing starting. You know, the Pentecost has started. And this was the plan for Peter, but John's was finished, even at a young age. Yeah. But John finished his course. He did what God sent him to do, to prepare the way of the Lord. Yes. When the Lord got there, his work really was finished. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not that we like how he was taken out. But no. but he did complete. And here's our point. Our position in this day and time that we're living in is to press in to know the Lord, to know his ways, to surrender our lives to him, to give him place in our lives so that he can do anything that he wants to do with us, mm-hmm. that we're pliable, that we're that we're malleable, that that he can that he can take us and he can, he can set us aside or he can take us here. He can take us there. He can do Mm -hmm. it supernaturally. He can do it by airplane. He can do it by walking. He can do it any way he wants to because we are surrendered to him. Yes. So wherever we are in our walk, we are a part Mm -hmm. of that Elijah company that is called to prepare the way of the Lord. So, Coming to see Jesus in this time, it's, it's like we are called to come into his presence. Yes. Come into his presence with singing. Come into his presence with worship. Before you lay your head on your pillow tonight, spend some time in worship. Spend mm-hmm. some time in laying your life down and surrendering to him. Yes. Amen. It's that surrender to him that gives him the opportunity and the and the um I want to say permission, but I think it's I think it's more than permission. It gives him the way to use us. It gives him our cooperation so that he can use us in any way that fits his plan. It's about his Mm -hmm. plans. It's not about our plans. Sometimes we get so excited about our destiny that we want to make it happen. But our destiny is what God gave to us. Yes, amen. And we'll only get there if we do it his way. Yes. You know, look at what happened with with, um, Abraham and Sarah trying to manufacture God's destiny by you know, going to Hagar and coming up with an Ishmael. Yeah. Um, God wants us to do it his way and he wants us to be patient. So sometimes we have to be set aside and we feel like we're in prison or we feel like we're, we're out on Mount Horeb in a cave and, and, you know, there's a, a wind and an earthquake and a fire like Elijah experienced and God wasn't in any of them. But he was just in the still small voice, and that's what we have to listen for. And that is the point, that we get into a place where we're still and listening Mm -hmm. and hearing what he says. And I promise you that praying in tongues is one of the best things that you can do 
to prepare yourself yes and to make yourself available to him because the holy spirit will pray through us things that we have no way of knowing otherwise in a language that is known to god and we're praying it in the earth on earth as it is in heaven so today tonight before you lay your head on your pillow spend time in worship spend time in prayer spend time in the word let the holy spirit open your spirit to him and open your understanding to receive something more so that you will know what your part is remember that john was called he was he was a voice of one crying in the wilderness Mm -hmm. sometimes you're just the only one Mm -hmm. you might feel like you're really alone but you're not yeah and just like Elijah felt like he was the all, all by himself, there were thousands that God had preserved that hadn't bowed their knee to Baal. So then he was the, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, and he was one calling, prepare the way of the Lord. Make, a, make straight his path in the desert. Make straight his path in the wilderness. Make a highway for our God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Build up the highway. Straighten the things that are crooked. bring down the things that are too high bring Mm -hmm. up the things that are too low god is in that process of doing that in us and and he must increase and i must decrease all of these things and and turning the hearts of the fathers to the children that's something that we begin to do in prayer pray for the prodigals yes amen pray for the parents of the prodigals Mm -hmm. And, and this, is, this is something that God is in the process of doing right now and, and bringing in this marvelous, glorious glory of God that all shall see together. So prepare your heart so that you can prepare the way. Amen. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps the podcasting platform suggest this podcast to other listeners who are also looking for a great move of the Holy Spirit. Check out our website at globaloutpouring.org to find out more information, read our blogs, connect with us, and donate. You can also browse our web store for life-changing anointed books. Until next time, this is Sharon Buss. And I'm Philip Buss. God bless you with his overwhelming, loving presence.